You're listening to an ISACA podcast. I'm your host, Lisa Villanueva, ISACA's IT Governance Professional Practices Lead. On today's episode, I'm speaking with Bob Finley, who is the Global Head of IT Audit in Glambia. Hi, Bob. How are you? I'm fine, thank you. Nice to meet you, Lisa. That's good. Bob has joined me today to discuss his article, How Do Organizations Control Their Use of Social Media? Bob, thank you for taking the time to chat with me today. Can you tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yes, I'm uh, quite a quite an old IT hand at this stage. I've started in IT 40 years ago, uh, and I've had almost every kind of job there has been in IT, even though it's evolved hugely over the years. I started in computer operations, mounting tapes on tape machines, um, and I've worked through programming. I've been a project manager. I've been CIO for a company for a while. Um, I've done this kind of work at multiple different companies in different sectors, from airlines to food groups. I've been in consultancy, um, but it's all had IT running through it all of that time. Um, In addition to that, I've also had a couple of spells where I've taken long sabbaticals and gone traveling around the world for a few years at a time, just for a bit of basic life experience, Lisa. Well, some of the background I've seen about yourself is you've been halibut fishing in Alaska and all kinds of adventures. Talk to me a little bit about that. That's true. I went hitchhiking through the U.S. in the 80s. Uh, and Canada, and I made it up to Alaska. And um, in those days, they had a, a short halibut season, like three days, and so they had to maximize it. So they weren't very fussy about who they put on the boats. Um, so I thought, that sounds like fun. I'll do that. Uh, and it wasn't fun, Lisa, I can be honest oh, with you. it wasn't fun. <laughs> <laughs> Five days of seasickness, as I remember it. Oh, um, it was unbelievably hard work. I made a right mess of it as well. I lost them their net one day. And um, But we got back and we'd filled the boat with halibut and everybody was happy. So it was a one-off experience as a halibut fisherman. I don't think they'll be calling back for me. That's good. That's good. I mean, it sounds exciting. My daughter uh, just came back from Alaska and she uh, had a halibut. And she said the trick is you have to put it really close to the camera because then it looks really big. So she caught a big one. She was excited. Well, sometimes, actually, what I didn't realize is there's a range of halibut. The ones we were going for were bigger than me. And uh, I'd I'd never seen a real halibut before, I don't suppose. Um, So it was quite a a shock to pull across something that big and heavy uh, onto the boat. Yeah. All right. Well, that was the U.S. And you've also, what, Australia, South South Africa. I mean, snakes, for goodness sake, Bob. Tell us about that. That's right. Yeah, I had a job. um, So, yes, not all being IT. I had a job on a snake farm for a while. And our job was to milk the snakes. Um, Needless to say, I was was basically the guy who cleaned out the hutches. they wouldn't let me anywhere near the, the snake milking itself because it's obviously pretty dangerous. Um, but I did that, and I did that as a volunteer just because I thought it was interesting um, because it effectively saves people's lives, that job. It's an un- unheralded industry, um, mm-hmm. especially in South Africa because it's, uh, there's thousands of people get killed every year in Africa from this. Yes, yes. Oh, my. Well, it's exciting adventures, and uh, I, I envy you. I, I'd like to travel myself, but... Uh, you know, it's been it's been tough. And once you've got a family, you can kiss that goodbye in a way. You know, so uh, and that's what happened to me. I'm glad I did my traveling early in life. And you know, I went to about 100 odd countries um, wow. and, you know, did lots of different jobs. I just packed it in over five or six years. Um, so it's very interesting. But it sort of refreshes you when you come back to work. I agree. I agree. Well, thank you for sharing some of those great adventures with us. 
how about we make a start? Um, the topic today, again, is how do organizations control their use of social media? And as part of this segment, we wanted to talk about identifying and mitigating vulnerabilities. And so I wanted to talk a little bit about what are the main risks that most enterprises need to consider when it comes to their social media channels. Yeah, so that's, I mean, that's the, that's the big question here, isn't it? What are the risks? And yeah. you know, to some extent, we don't know because we don't control anything with social media. You effectively, you've signed up to a system that you have no physical control over how it's run, uh, any changes that are made to it, uh, the look and feel of it, and even who is on it. You don't actually even know who you're interacting with, what the processes are of the social media company. So once you're starting to interact on this, and this is your main communications channel, you, your big risk is that something will go wrong and you'll have a PR disaster. And this has happened many times to many organizations. This is a, not something that's theoretical. This is actually something that happens all the time. Uh, people have had their Twitter accounts hacked, both by people working for Twitter and for external people. Um, you can have it done with your own people as well. I've worked in more than one company where an internal employee has hijacked the sites for their own purposes. So there's actually immense reputational risk here. There's also security risk. Because you can't control what's going on the social media site, you do get bad actors who will put dubious links into their postings onto social media. It's linked with your name, somebody clicks on the link, and they're off to malware. And you are the company that will be blamed for it, bizarrely, even though you had nothing to do with it fundamentally whatsoever. It is the, it's regarded as your page, say, on Facebook, not Facebook's problem. So this is why there's a bit of a, there's a big risk behind it. And it's indeterminate for most companies because they haven't actually reviewed the risk. Uh, and they probably don't have the right people looking at it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, Bob, you know, from what you share, would you say that security is a low priority? I think it's um, it's almost been given no priority whatsoever, Lisa. The um, when I I've done audits, and this is in my experience, but also I talked to other people in the industry, and mm -hmm. everybody I've met has said that nobody ever reviewed the security when they implemented social media. Now, if you were to go and implement a cloud system tomorrow you would be the first thing you would check. What are the certificates on it? How do I operate it? How do I secure my own users? The guys who generally sign up to social media, are probably marketing or comms people or sometimes HR, they won't have looked at it at all. They'll like the functionality. They'll see it as a good way of communicating with people and getting something done, and it is, but they won't have looked at security at all. And, and I see this in how they control the accounts, the users, the passwords, uh, they haven't done the research on the systems that they're interacting with. Um, so I would actually say it's been given no priority whatsoever at this stage. Wow. And so with that in mind, what I'm thinking a little bit about is when you click on and you read the terms and conditions, surely they're promising that they're going to keep the data secure, no? They are. And, you know, I could promise you that as well, couldn't I? But whether it be true or not is another thing. Absolutely. Um, so... First of all, it's a very good point about the terms and conditions. So number one, I've never met anybody yet ever who read those terms and conditions, um, except for me when I turn up to do the audit. And they never have done. In my, in my experience, it's 100% not read. But if you do go into them, they don't promise a lot. They say they will almost use best endeavors, but you don't know what those best endeavors are. So if I was looking at a normal system, I'd actually be able to go and audit it. Um, and if I couldn't audit it, like many cloud systems, 
they'd actually have a good, say, SOC 2 report, which would tell you what the controls are. They might even tell you what some of the weaknesses are, what they're doing about it. And you'd get some reassurance from that. But if you go and look at, say, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, they'll have no certification for you to look at. Uh, it's not that kind of a system. They haven't actually told you truly what's going on. And there is zero chance of you finding out. So in a way, it's a bit of a black box. I don't really know what the security practices are at these companies, except for what you hear externally. Um, they may be very good, uh, but what we do know is that they often have breaches themselves. So they're not impeccable by any means. So whatever they promise you, it's not actually worth anything because there's nothing to go back onto them about. Understood, understood. So as auditors, what can we do about that? I mean, would it, basically it boils down to a cloud service, wouldn't you say? Should we be you know, implementing some of those controls and maybe doing those types of assessments to get a better sense of what's happening with the social media providers and within our own enterprises? Yeah, I think that's almost the best you can do, Lisa. Just to give a little plug for ISAC, you do actually have a cloud uh, program, uh, which I've actually taken and adapted and used. And, and that's, that's a reasonable standard to go to, is to go and use a cloud program. Now, there are strengths and weaknesses in that. One, at least it gives you a methodology. There's plenty you can go and check and see how good this is going to be and what controls then you can put in on your side of the equation. It's never going to be perfect. But as auditors, we can go and check stuff by doing a cloud program. The minute you just forget about it being social media and just think this is a cloud service, you can actually start addressing it in the correct manner. What you won't get though, say if I, for instance, um, signed up to an SAP cloud service, they probably give me a lot more information than a social media company would. Um, so you're still going to have some areas where you're not really sure what the controls are. And, and that's what the discussion has to be with your own management is, is this the risk worth taking? Do you want to sign up for all of these services or do you want to actually have a reduced number of them and control them better? Right, right. Do you have a sense for what the current state is of the security practices of these organizations? Are there security certifications being done? How would you characterize the current state of security with these social media platforms? Uh, do you know, um, it's hard to say with any great authority because I haven't worked for one. But what I'm seeing on the outside is a regular series of breaches. Uh, it seems to be in the news all the time. And that isn't good news because most companies aren't in the news all the time for being breached. It does happen to most companies at some stage to some extent. But these guys, they're a big target. Um, in fact, they're probably the biggest targets going for um, bad actors. So they're being attacked all the time and there are breaches happening. We've seen that that's happened with their own people internally, and it's happened externally as well. And this can happen to anyone. But the problem is, is that I struggle to be able to assess it uh, because there's no clear guidance from them as to what they're truly doing behind the scenes with security. If I went to any other person, I could go and look at the SOC 2 report. I can't get that for, say, Facebook. Mm -hmm. Oh, wow. That's, uh, that's interesting. And you mentioned that there are a number of like high profile, probably people who've had their accounts hacked. I think what's most concerning, well, all of it is concerning, but one of the key concerns I have is that oftentimes as auditors and risk professionals, we're looking at the outside threat. But it sounds to me like you're saying that some of this has really happened from internal players or employees in these organizations, no? 
Oh, definitely. And it's because of the way they're set up that makes them even more vulnerable to internal people. So mm -hmm. I first came across this quite a few years ago in the early days of social media, uh, a company I was working for then. Um, we They were going to go and get rid of, effectively, a guy in marketing. Um, and he took umbrage at this. So what he did was he realized he had the password to the um, it was the Facebook account at the time. And what he did was, was he changed it. And then he realized they couldn't get in. And he thought, oh, this is it. That's highly amusing. They can't get into their own Facebook account. And then he realized he could post anything he liked. So what he started doing was starting to post things about his own situation. And then he realized he could actually post things about anything to do with the company, including things that weren't even true. And it took us weeks to get that out of his hands because then you're into the whole process, the black hole of trying to recover an account from somebody who looks like the authorized owner of it. He had the account. We even had multi-factor authentication, but of course it was to his phone. So that looked even more like it was his account. It took us ages to get that out of his hands. And it, it was simply because they didn't really have strong controls over this. If you're going to let someone go, make sure they don't have the password to your social media site. Would be a pretty good starting point as a process. Um, but it didn't work that way. That was something they were going to take off him after they decided to announce it, they were going to sack him. So that happened then. I've seen that at multiple companies probably every year since I've been looking at social media. It is so easy for an internal person to do. And because the systems are set up almost to have one owner and one password. So what companies do is they tend to have that password and they never change it. And because they never change it, that means also quite often people who have left the company still know the password to your social media account and could take it over as well. So it's a slight extra dimension. Whereas if you were an internal company, say I was working on Oracle or SAP, even if I still had my access, I can only do what my access permits me to do. I don't have total ownership of the system. Social media, I have total ownership of the system. And when I've left, I probably can't get into the internal network to access it. But because this is web-based, I can still access it. So most companies probably haven't changed the password after every time a marketing person leaves or a communicoms person leaves. So that person can probably leave and still sign on into their social media account. So it's opened up a, an area of risk that just doesn't exist for other systems. Absolutely. And I would think that if the password is never changed, it's very highly likely uh, that it's being shared as well, which is something oh, that's yeah. just fundamental to you know, good practices and, and where, you know, it really boils down to a lot of the same things, um, you know, mm -hmm. foundational tenets of risk and security, good practices. But I mean, I would think that shared passwords would then be a problem as well. So it is Lisa. And it's exactly that, exactly. As you said, yeah. it's the foundations here of mm -hmm. you don't want to share passwords, but you know what? They've almost got no choice. Now there are some tools out there for helping publish on social media sites. Um, but I still think there are flaws with them that you can get around. They have to share the passwords ultimately. Um, once you start sharing them, you don't want to change them all the time, which means they're now weak because they get known. And once you've started sharing, you actually might as well admit you don't know who's got them. Uh, and I've seen that in all kinds of systems, not just social media systems. Once you start sharing a password, you might as well assume everyone in the group knows it. Would you say that that's a very common attack vector is... Uh you know, that password, or in, in terms of some of the breaches that you were identifying earlier, would you say that one of the commonalities between these is perhaps poor password or uh, access controls? It has been in the, in the cases I've seen, uh, especially as a consultant, I'd see it quite a bit. Um, mm -hmm. 
So when it was an internal breach, it was almost always the password. To be honest, though, uh, quite often when it was an external breach as well, so just somebody trying to hack in, they'd done mm. their phishing correctly and they'd find the password. Uh, and another feature of this is quite often they have multiple social media accounts, so they keep them in an Excel file. And the amount of times I've been able to find that Excel file and have the I, so I've got all the passwords to all the accounts now. So in one bad day, I could actually go and take over the whole social media of a very large company if that's if that was the way they were set up. Absolutely. Uh, if a hacker got hold of that, they're mm -hmm. away at a hack. You know, they're they're going to um, they're going to enjoy themselves that day. Yeah, that's that's pretty bad. But uh, it's a good thing that you were taking a look, and that's why you know our constituency, our members, those who are mm -hmm. viewing you know, they're going to take away some good information about how to go back and see how they can mitigate these issues, which brings me to what, you know, what do enterprises need to do and social media organizations need to do to go down a more responsible path? Well, I think um, the, the two very separate things there. Uh, for me, the social media companies will be one day forced to go down a path of know your customer, like the banks had to do. Um, and I think the, the root cause of what we see online of much abuse, um, and misinformation, the root cause of uh, quite a bit of it is that people can post anonymously. And they're also doing that on your organization's websites. And they can post anything they like. And quite often, it just isn't true. We've actually had people post about our products, and they weren't our products. And we've had to re respond, you know, this is actually nothing to do with us. Um, so the, I think the social media companies have to do that. The organization in hand needs to actually take a stricter approach to it. They need to have processes. It sounds really boring, doesn't it? And we've got to have written processes and understand what they are. But this is a really effective tool if used responsibly and targeted and with a purpose. But quite often I find people just launch these social media sites without any real thought as to what they're trying to achieve. Um, other times, you know, you see people who really understand what they're trying to do. So they're quite easy to convince to put in the controls. Uh, the other thing I'd say they've got to be aware of is when you outsource to a third party to manage your social media, and I've seen a lot of that, uh, and the quality is really substandard on a lot of occasions, and, and nobody's monitoring it. It's the, the classic thing, you've outsourced something and you just leave it alone. Well, you can't. You actually have to monitor everything on social media all the time. You need to monitor for fake sites. You need to monitor for quality of postings. You need to monitor for um, activists or hackers posting on your site. It's nonstop. It's, it's not all an outgoing message. You have to be monitoring the whole environment. Um, even to the extent, as an organization, we found that you have to monitor countries you're not even active in because people will launch fake sites in other jurisdictions um, under your banner. And it'll look, for all intents and purposes, like it's your website. Absolutely. And I would think that that would come with it great reputational risk and potent potentially financial loss, correct? Yeah, yeah, I've seen the um, I've seen studies on this where, in effect, what happens is if somebody has a bad experience on a fake site, it is you who would get blamed. So if this was, say, an ISACA fake site set up in another jurisdiction and somebody got a, a virus because of it, they will blame you, ISACA, for it, not the hacker, not the social media company. They'll, they'll blame the, the other innocent victim in this, which is the company whose social media site was being uh, faked. Right. So... It, there's a huge uh, PR risk in this. And that, that goes wild in the media when something like that happens. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, you, you said something that struck a chord with me. I used to be in banking and you talked about know your customer and the know mm -hmm. the customer in this context. Um, it, it, it brings to mind privacy uh, concerns as well. So talk to me a little bit about how privacy plays into this and, and what right. organizations need to be doing in this space as well. Well, Lisa, that's it. I feel like the privacy bits are like a bottomless pit with relation to social media, because for starters, you're not even restricted to your own country. Um, whose rules are you actually applying? So I'm sat here in Europe. I might have a social media site, but it's actually the systems run out of the US, but somebody is posting from Venezuela. Whose rules actually even apply to what data is being released? Second of all, I don't know that other person. So I've got to be very careful in the conversation online about releasing any data I do know about a real person. So you need to have a process in place to make sure you're controlling that conversation with people. Before you get too personal, you want to establish who you're really talking to and dealing with. You also need good guidance for your people not to be posting things online that are personal data, uh, partly because of phishing, partly because of privacy legislation, and uh, partly because it can just go very messy very quickly um, in terms of PR. I think there's there's numerous strands on the privacy aspect for this, um, and they're very hard to unravel. And I wouldn't even say I've got a full picture myself because I don't always understand all the different jurisdictions involved. Depend because there's three different parties; it could be in three different continents, never mind three different countries. Absolutely. And as it pertains to data management, what would you say is the most concerning for you in that space? Because um, of privacy, we're clicking and we're we're effectively agreeing to be monitored, right? Uh, so, and then you have to know your customer. You don't necessarily know it's me. I could go out there with the name Mary Williams instead of Lisa Villanueva. So it it quite it creates quite the conundrum in my mind. It it really does because you don't know you don't know the veracity of the data. You, mm -hmm. you, you truly don't know. Um, you know, I actually. As an experiment, I set up a fake social media site. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that happened in this sphere, there were many aspects to it. And I took it down after only a week because it was getting too much of a headache. One of the things people did was they sent me their CVs um, for jobs. I didn't advertise any jobs. They just sent them in because it looked like a mainstream company. Uh, so I had all their personal details. And it's amazing what some people put in a CV. I had tons of personal data just sent to me. People were oblivious to it. Now, obviously, I deleted the whole lot. Uh, it doesn't exist anymore. Um, but if I was a bad actor, that'd be the easiest way on earth to go fishing, I think. Um, you know, and your data's been compromised. Now, who are you going to sue when that data's compromised? Uh, it, I actually don't know what the illegal answer is to that. I don't know whether it's a social media company. Um, it's certainly not going to be because I'd be a criminal who's stolen your, your data. Um, right. That's how slack people are in the world of social media when it comes to data privacy. Right. And they use anonymity. Uh, that's often mm. a overlooked control weakness, is it not? It's it's hugely overlooked. And uh, sometimes the things I've seen people respond to people before they've established it's a real person or even it's even remotely the same name, gender, race, anything about them. But, you know, and they're sending emails back and you're going, no, hold on a second. You don't even know who they are yet. Right. Um, you can't trust anything on social media. And what, what we often find is, if you good, did a good review, you'll find people who run their own businesses off your site, they're under fake names, they run fake sites on your on a fake site. Believe it or not, I've seen that. Everyone 
there's a bit of you have to treat as a spoofer unfortunately until you can establish so what you need is a process when you think you've got a real person who's got a real complaint it's actually quite good to then have a protocol to go down to go and establish who they are you know this can be involved right now we'll take this offline you message me and then we'll take give me an email address and then we'll start working through you know give me an invoice number offline that i can go and check on our systems um it's that kind of thing that you need to do you need a you need a good protocol absolutely well the the benefits of social media have to outweigh the risks so talk to me a little bit about that well yes i mean that's certainly what my marketing people would tell me um, <laughs> <laughs> so there and i have i've actually seen social media used brilliantly um even at one company that they managed it terribly but they were actually brilliant at the content and uh, they got huge interaction with the customers um and it's very successful but on the other hand um i've seen it used just indiscriminately and it's like scattershot and they're not getting any benefit at all and it's partly because and this is you know please forgive me marketing people but it's like marketing people don't like to do a cost benefit analysis of anything do they they like to launch a campaign declare themselves brilliant and then move on to the next thing and they'll do that with social media if you let them so sometimes i've seen up to about 100 different social media sites in different countries um, and they're just going scattershot and they're not actually getting the benefit of the large social media digital media team that they've got so it's something that you need to keep a track on um what you're trying to achieve and companies that use it with great purpose do get great benefits from it i found okay great great well you know earlier on we talked about um security reviews and things like that is there an appetite for social media reviews in organizations um believe it or not there's a huge appetite i'd almost say uh more than any other kind of audit uh, much my surprise the first time i was asked to do one you know my heart sank oh they're going to hate this um it's marketing they never like a, an audit um and i've never known or if you get so much comment from such senior people um of all the audits i've ever done um people are really engaged with it they hadn't understood the risks before they really wanted to understand them uh, they did want to understand the benefits as well so that whole cost benefit analysis line that i go down that was well received um there's a real role for audit in this because nobody else is going to do this so if you're an it auditor or even just a business auditor um i would say do this audit and you can pull off different strands of it because it is actually a massive audit if you do the whole thing but if you take it in different chunks and i've tried to do that in the articles tried to break it down for you in different ways that you can do three or four different audits um you can actually add great value and i've even seen them welcomed which is you know like nirvana for auditors isn't it absolutely absolutely um so let's recap what are some of the most um important security concerns that we should be concerned with as auditors uh and then how does the auditor add value as relates to those areas i know you cover it extensively in parts 1 and 2 uh, of your articles in the asaka journal um but talk to us about you know give us the recap i think the the recap is is you've got to know what you've got uh mm-hmm. and most of them they don't actually have a log of it that's really boring stuff and it's the boring stuff that the auditor is going to add to this is they need to know what they've got who's managing it how it's being managed and what the protocols are for when things go wrong and this is the kind of thing you can come in and make them think about they you know they're not dumb people the guys in marketing and comms they just aren't thinking with this hat on and we are so the value we add is we come in here and we say we're not going to stop you using this system 
what we're going to do is have it controlled so it's less likely to go wrong and if it does go wrong we can actually put a lid on it really quickly and you know some of these guys are the masters of putting a lid on a crisis aren't they so i would actually say that you know they'd be quite receptive if you put it in that way what they fear if you're an auditor is you're going to come in and say um you've got to get rid of it if you can't control it properly we're going to have lots of mindless bureaucracy it's not necessary but some basic controls over know what you've got secure it have processes for your people coming and going uh, on the system and what they can and cannot post uh, and how it's managed that posting online and how you interact with people. Those are the key processes to look at. Absolutely. And I would think um, perhaps contracts, looking at the contracts and terms and yeah, so that's normally being my job to do that. Um, what I've actually managed to convince quite a few of them to do in the end is send it down to legal. Because almost anything else, if you were signing up to any other cloud service, you would for sure send the contract to the legal department to look at, just as a standard bit of work. Uh, I've never seen it done on social media particularly. Um, so I would say, you know, I can, I can have my opinion on a contract, but I'm not a legal expert. I'd rather the lawyers had a look at it and said what they think is right or wrong. Probably won't stop you using it, but you'll then know what the risks are if anything goes wrong with the social media company. You'll, you'll know where the responsibility lies. Is this going to come back to me or are they going to deal with it? Uh, top hint, it'll come back to you. Absolutely. And then we mentioned earlier on about the cloud audit work program. ISACA has them. I'm sure there's other good guidance yes. out there. But um, having a nice, solid plan of attack, I would think, is, is important for success. It is, and I think you can tailor it to your own organization. I did start. I do start with things like like Asaka's guidance, or people like NIST, or there's quite a few organizations out there who have different aspects to cloud services, and even some social media programs that are out there. What you need to do is go through them and start breaking it down, like like I've done in the article. I've broken it down into different aspects of how you use social media, and then break down the program into those areas. So you can do multiple audits, and um, that all tie together to give an overall picture of how social media is controlled in your organization. Absolutely. And we talked earlier about SOC 2 as an example of a, a type of a certification. Uh, and yeah. so in this case, the security certification or other uh, like events would be important as well for auditors to consider. It would be if you can find it. There are some things like, um, say, Social Studio, which is a specific tool uh, used by social media companies, that, that will come with a SOC 2 report, I think. Um, but the vast majority of them don't have that kind of certification. So you can you can read their pages about what they say about security. It doesn't give a lot of assurance and you're probably not gonna get very far asking for that in this particular area. Uh, whereas a normal cloud program, there'd be quite a lot of assurance uh, to put on a independent audit report. Absolutely, that makes sense as well. And so that means that a lot of the onus is on us as enterprises uh, to make sure that we have uh, our system secure, right? What would you say, latest software, patches, know your vulnerabilities, talk to us a little bit about some of those things. Yeah, well, those are all those are all good practices because fundamentally you're, you at work, you'll be sitting there going through your firewall, using your browser. Um, you want all your basic security controls in place as well. Mm -hmm. um, and this is ever more so with a system you now don't control. Now, I would say that when you're looking at things like that, that's, that's something a general IT audit would probably cover is, is my browser up to date? Is it secure? Is my laptop patched? Uh, is the fire, are the firewall rules correct? 
but that should be in place as well. None of the rest of it will matter a jot if you can just be hacked uh, like that. Um, but also because you, if you don't have the good processes in place and one of your people clicks on a link that somebody's posted to your social media site and it goes off to malware, you definitely want the technical controls in place to restrict the damage from that uh, incident. Okay, absolutely. And we talked a little bit about privacy policy and um, I would think that that would be important as well. We talked about the privacy concerns and uh, we didn't touch this uh, uh, very much, but continuity comes to mind as well, particularly as you talk about mm. people maybe um, having fake sites out there and you would have to recover from that, you know, I would think. So chat a little bit about what auditors can consider in the continuity space. And also let's talk about privacy policies. So continuity is an interesting one because I had a case, this was about five years, five or six years ago as a, when I was a consultant and uh, they lost their Facebook channel and they'd actually made a bit of a mistake. Facebook was almost their only communications channel. The extent they actually didn't even have an email address for people to contact them. And they lost their Facebook page for a variety of technical long reasons. But the upshot was they had no recovery. They had no continuity to come back on. So this is a system like any other. Do you have more than one channel? Is there more than one ways to communicate with people? Don't assume everybody's got Facebook anyway, by the way. Uh, that's, a, that's another aspect of communications. Um, and what are you going to do in the meantime? I've seen some organizations, they actually sell via social media. And if that's your sales channel, if it actually goes down for whatever reason, what are you going to do? Um, how are you going to communicate with your customers? Uh, the sales channel's gone down. If it's also your comms channel, then you've actually put all your eggs in one basket. Absolutely. All right. Well, we've talked about what our auditors can do. You've given us some great things to think about. And again, the articles are very informative. Uh, what can social media uh, companies be doing to mitigate these risks? I, th I think there's, um, there's a, a few things. I mean, will they ever do a know your customer? I can't see it in some ways unless they're forced to because um, it would interfere with their business model. They just want a lot of people on their sites because fundamentally their business is advertising. Um, uh the other thing they could do is they could actually go for that certification. I, I don't know why they wouldn't, because it doesn't give secrets away. They could certainly do it for commercial customers, bona fide commercial customers. They could do a lot more about verification um, and more controls over what links people can post online. I'm sure that could be automated to a bigger degree. They are trying. I mean, fair place. They do have to employ a lot of people to try and get rid of fake sites, but there's still millions of them. Uh, they try to get rid of bad actors online, uh, but again, there's millions of those to get rid of. I, th I think in many ways, um, they're trying to automate these processes to get ahead, but I do actually think the bottom line is if you have a know your customer scheme, uh, we would all be able to use it with a lot more assurance. Absolutely. Which brings me to what can we do as employees in these enterprises? What can we be doing to mitigate the risks? I think um, keeping your eyes open. It's, it's amazing how often your employees can actually spot something that's wrong um, and will be looking at the sites. So, you know, if you have an informed set of uh, people, and, and in many ways, you know, we have a multicultural companies everywhere now, and people with different languages will look at different sites. And if you've got people spotting things, uh, for instance, I, you know, I've got a, a colleague from another country, uh, and he spotted that on our uh, Facebook site in the country he's from, that it was extraordinarily badly run and, and managed to the extent that, the, the, you know, the postings were just very poor in his language. Um, and it's something I would never be able to spot myself. 
So if you can use your own employees as well as to police this um, and also give them good guidance what they should be doing. You don't want anybody bringing your name into disrepute on LinkedIn, for instance, uh, or giving away too much information. So there's a whole other angle here we haven't really covered a lot of is what our own employees are doing on social media sites that have nothing to do with us. Um, if they give away too much information, that's um, a hacker's dream, isn't it, for phishing purposes, uh, possibly for another discussion another day. Absolutely. I've seen organizations where, you know, they've asked their employees to keep that information to a minimum because it could be used as a springboard, you know, for other types of uh, um, social engineering, basically. Uh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, that's common. It does happen. It happens a lot. And these these guys are very patient, um, the, the, you know, who are trying to get into your systems. They'll they'll track people down. They'll look at all the postings you've done, and they'll start to piece together what they need to do to do their scam. And then the next thing you know, they've crafted a call into your help desk or something because uh, they know you've gone away because you've posted something online saying I'm in you know Idaho. And then they'll go, oh, I'm in Idaho and I'm stuck, uh, you know, and something like this. And they're very they're very clever people. So the less you post about any of your personal details, uh, the better, really. Absolutely. Well, thank you, Bob. Thank you so much. I really thought this conversation was a was a great informative um, lecture on on how we control our social media use. It's it's incredible, and you've really opened my eyes uh, to a lot of things. And I know people will enjoy hearing some of these tidbits that you've given us on how we might be able to do a little bit better. Uh, so I want to just thank you again, Bob, for joining us. Thank you for having me. That's all the time we have for this segment. Bob, it's been wonderful chatting with you. Thank you once again for your time today. I am Lisa Villanueva, and this is an ISACA podcast.